concert promoter Danny Zalisco has been doing it a long time. Five decades, one of the biggest out there. And he's got a new book, All Access, a con- Occupation Concert Promoter. It's a new book out. Danny, what's going on, buddy? Hello, Danny. Good morning, sir. Well, you know, you know, I'm in Phoenix, so it's like the crack of dawn here, but it's all too good to be up talking to you guys. Yeah. Well, and I tell you, congratulations on the book. And I know there's a lot of extras with this. It's a little more than your uh, average uh, book. Tell us about that. Well, which extras are you talking about? Well, like the bookmark, and isn't oh, there? Oh, a- oh, sorry, sorry. You know, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> um, you know, I I wanted to do something different when we were sending them out because you know I self-published this. We're in the middle of a right. I, mean, I hate to say the p word. So in doing this thing. I wanted to have a different angle, a different, just a different push from it. So I contacted my friends at White Castle, who I know you're friends with. You yes. You're, you're in White Castle. City. Correct. And they sent me all the boxes. They're these Crave Clutch boxes, beautiful blue boxes with a old-fashioned cassette recorder on it. <laughs> it it's such a cool box, and it's the perfect size for the book. The book is eight and a half by 11. They call it a landscape model, which means it's, it's more horizontal than it is. No, it's more, yeah, it's more horizontal than it is vertical. Vertical, yeah. Okay. And so I could put more on the pages, get bigger pictures. And, and, and it's a, it's an odd size book, but it's, it's beautiful. It's about three pounds and I needed the right box for it. And we were looking around for them, couldn't find anything. And somebody brought one of these over. So I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I was inducted in the White Castle Craver Hall of Fame in October. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I swear to God, I kid you not. And, and me and Tommy Shaw and John Prime had a ceremony in October at the Nashville White Castle because they live there. So I flew there and we had a great afternoon together and, and, and White Castle also gave me uh, a little ticket for three sliders, as well as a, uh, one of those boxes you can buy in the Frozen part of the Yes, yes. Right? So those go out with the bookmarks. And then I had a, some glasses left over from a festival that had wine tasting. So we put all this in the box along with the letter and say, hey, dinner and a show. Yeah, <laughs> pretty clever. Hey, so Danny, you know the book title is all a- access, uh, but the the thing with your job is we interview rock stars and we ask them sex, drugs, and rock and roll. When right when you wrote this book, did you write something down and realize, oh crap, I'm still promoting, I can't write that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I would <laughs> no, think no, so. No. With, without question. I mean, there there's a lot of stories in there about people who are here and people who are not. But I'll tell you what, in writing it, I, at first I managed to get most everything down and then correlate it into some sort of order that makes sense. And then, you know, there were certain stories in there that really sounded like maybe I was grinding an axe or talking out of school on somebody. And that was never the point of, of me doing this. I wanted to share my relationships that I've managed to grow with these people for many, many years. And, and you know... Talking to people, talking about people behind their backs is what it is when you're telling rumors or or bad things, maybe even if they're true or weird stuff. I decided against doing that kind of a book. 
Um, and so it's really for sheer entertainment for people who who love these guys, these beautiful rock stars, and and all the great stories Dan- that come along with it. Danny, did you get started in college like a lot of promoters, like Barry Gable, Scott Steinecker here in Columbus? Did you get started booking bands when you were like in college or in your twenties? Well, and then I was, I was in, in college age. I left. Chicago at 17. So you're a Chicago guy, okay. I'm a Chicago guy, and I came out here in 72 originally, and I started doing shows in 74 when I was 19, and uh, I, I didn't, no, I didn't have the benefit or the waste of time of college. You know, it just, this, this for doing this didn't require college. It wouldn't have hurt, by the way. Were the early shows just in bars, and are any of those iconic venues still around there in Phoenix? The first shows were actually in regular music halls, and, okay. and, I, and I got beat up doing that pretty bad. So the first real job that I had in the business was booking a nightclub here called Dooley's. Uh, some people actually out of Ann Arbor um, <clears throat> originally, way back then. And uh, Dooley's about an 800-seat club. And remember, this is in 76, 77, 78, so all of the great bands were coming up then that many of which are still around, you know, now. Um, so that that was where the core of the business really began for me. And, and you made friendships. And, and it, you know, it just kind of kept growing as you're doing more and more shows because in my case, Phoenix wasn't that big of a concert town then. It wasn't a big town at all. I mean, yeah. there was maybe 700,000 people here back then. Now there's over 6 million. Wow. You know, and, and I, I like to think we, we kind of helped ourselves grow together here. And um, it, it's really been a guess to see the evolution of, of the whole scene here, of how many people really want to live here. It's such a gorgeous place. And uh, Major you know, League Sports, you got all the, the major sports now? Yeah, four well, of them. Everyone's yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. So what do you hear then with the, uh, with the P word there? Are we going to – I got a kid in the business down in Nashville, and he said he's hearing May of 21, and now they're not sure of that. What are you hearing? Well, it, it, you know, I think we're all pretty much hearing the same thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's like when, when are we going to have something – here's a couple of questions. When are we going to have something – where we can get that rapid test walking into a venue. You're negative, you're negative, you're negative. Sorry, sir, you're positive. Go over there. I mean, I would feel safe going into any concert hall if I knew everybody that was in there with me went, to, went through the exact same test before they came in. I, I, would, I would give that a roll. After, of course, they figure it out and develop and perfect it and all that stuff. I don't think it's going to be an immediate thing. I think it'll be gradual, and, and they're going to have to see how, how everybody responds to that. Um, but, I, you know, I still like the idea of, of Rahm Memorial Day. I think that would be a great time to, to start right. doing stuff. But, you know, it, it, the next few months are crucial to that. So whatever we're doing out there, take it easy this Christmas, you know. I mean, because these, these are the super spreader type of um, – months or events uh, in our lives that they can make or break us or, or just make it prolonged, you know, a little bit longer. But I'd really like to see middle of next year, but, 
you know, time will tell. Yeah, and the uh, book All Access uh, Occupation Concert Promoting Danny's, the list goes with us. You can go to dzplive.com or Amazon to get the book. It's fantastic. So, Danny, I want to ask you, We, you know, I got to know Alice from Phoenix, and he did his show out of the studio. You know Alex very well. Sure. Alice very well. When you look at Alice Cooper, and I've said this for years, he might be the most regular, normal guy in rock. Would you agree? Yeah, without question. I mean, I imagine he's up right now golfing at some weird golf course, probably 40 miles from his house. <laughs> Every single morning of his life, he he gets up and he plays at the crack of dawn. And now we're getting a little freeze at night. So he has to wait an hour. But he, he always wants to be the first guy off so he can circle around the holes before everybody else gets there. And he's done in two and a half hours. He loves to golf. He's a gas to golf with. And on top of that, he continues to make really good music with Bob Ezrin and his band. Um, he's got a complete life. You know, it's a lot of fun. Seeger was always a real regular guy. Who was the pre-Madonna guy when you promoted a show like an Elton John or who was not a regular guy? You know. Like you knew that you were in the midst of a star. I mean, McCartney certainly has that. Who 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 deserves You know, look, it's like this. <clears throat> When you get somebody at a concert in your town and you meet them or they're around or you're feeling their presence because they're happy or they're upset about something, these people live on the road like me and you get to go to our homes every day, pretty much. And and we, we work and we're in the community and we're not running around the country or the world 60 days in a row out of a, out of a suitcase. So I'm going to defend... Anybody who's ever on the road who maybe had a bad day or a bad moment with a promoter. Nice. Good, good. Yeah. Because yeah. it happens. It's so true. Hey, you know, Danny, you know, but, last. But, I, but I, I will give you one. Okay. I'll tell you about a, an insane little story. It was a long time ago. Love him to death, but one day had a very bad Lindsey Buckingham. And, and we've we, had trouble with Lindsey yeah, Buckingham. Can you believe yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So, So he was upset because I wouldn't spend more money on putting more sound into this 1,200-seat venue that was already covered with more than double it what it needed. And, and he thought I was being cheap and holding out him just because the show had only sold half the tickets. Why did I want to spend another five grand on more sound so I could make people deaf? So after the show, he, was, he, was, he gave me some malarkey. Let's use that one. <laughs> In, in front of a group of people. And I, I, I you know, ever since then, I've kind of had a, a weird taste in his mouth. But I, I really wrote it off to the fact that something weird was going on. You never know with him, uh, you know. Yeah, 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 it was difficult. Hey. Danny, you know, you, myself, a lot of us uh, in rock radio, let's be honest, that 19, uh, we'll start in, what, 1968, uh, 88, let's just say, that we'll never see the likes of that music in our lifetime. I, I think you're 100%. I mean, that right. was I mean, a golden well, yeah, era. I'm a little older than you, but I mean, I, I was there and, and I heard Please Please Me by this new group called the Beatles, um, who was a baby band. None of my friends wanted to hear Please Please Me. And I thought it was the greatest song that was out in 1963. And, and it took till 64 when they appeared in Ed Sullivan for everybody to get it. They wrote the hit. Please Please Me was not the hit. I, I, she Loves You was the hit. I Want to Hold Your Hand was the hit. When they did that, it was all over. I mean, it, yeah, it's it was really, a gold, that, golden era. That was the map 
uh, of the music business right there. Well, I want everybody to know Amazon.com. You can get the book or Fun, great the website. Read, yeah. Great stories. ZZPLive.com to get the book. Danny, thanks so much, man. It was good catching up. Really glad to talk to you guys. Keep it going there, will you? Right, Thank you, sir. Take care, man. All right, boys.